It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's going on, everybody? Welcome in to the Lockdown Reds podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Carr. Thank you so much for joining me. If this is your first time finding the podcast right here on YouTube, make sure that you're subscribed. You can also follow this podcast on your favorite podcasting app, pretty much every single one you can think of. And you can follow me on Twitter as well, Jeff Carr with three Fs. Today, we've got a great show for you. Joining me is Reds statistician extraordinaire, Joel Luckupt. He knows everything there is to know about the Reds, and he's joining me to talk about Luis Castillo. We're going to kind of break down what he's been doing this season. I had a question of him specifically looking at where it relates to him pitching in bad weather games and things like that. We'll dive in there. We'll talk about Joey Votto. We'll talk about Nixon Zell. We'll talk about Jonathan India. A whole bunch of stuff coming for you today. Packed podcast. Thanks for joining me. Before we get into all of that, though, let's play that intro graphic. The Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On Reds, your daily Cincinnati Reds podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You're listening to and watching the Locked On Reds podcast brought to you today by Spotify Greenroom. Go download the app on your mobile device and Check it out. It's changing the way that we talk sports. All right, let's bring him in. He is Joel Luckupt. He knows everything there is to know about red stats. And if he doesn't know, he can find it very quickly. His name is Joel Luckupt, and he is joining us today. Thank you so much, sir. How are you doing this evening? Uh, I'm doing great. I'm doing great. It's been a fun season. I've really enjoyed just about everything about this season, except for the fact that they can't make any ground on the Brewers, you know? It seems like any time they win, the Brewers win, and any time the Brewers lose, the Reds lose. It's right. kind of poetry in motion, and I hate it. Uh, we yeah. we we are talking right now in the middle of the Reds and Cubs game. Cubs are up two to one right now in the seventh inning. So hopefully, while we're talking, they just happen to win as well. That'd be great. But while we're at that, tomorrow, I believe I saw on the probable starters. Nope, not tomorrow. Uh, well. Anyway, one take Thursday, we're going to see Luis Castillo back on the mound. And he is a guy that we've talked a lot about here on the podcast and kind of just wondering what happened. And I mean, it was good. It was good to see him turn around the way that he did. But those struggles so early on, are they can you attribute those to just poor luck with BABIP and stuff like that? Or, or what do you think it was? What are the numbers? <laughs> Well, I mean, I think some of it was he was just not pitching very well. You know, he didn't have command of his fastball was the big thing. He was leaving a lot of fastballs up in the zone, which is not where he should pitch. You know, a lot of guys like Tyler Malley can pitch up at the top of the zone. He can do that really well. Um, that's not Castillo's game. Castillo's game is low and then, you know, breaking one way or the other, low in the zone. And uh, he just wasn't doing that. He's picked up. He's done that a lot better lately. He's thrown some really nasty fastballs, actually, of late um, down in the zone. And that's where he needs to work. And he just wasn't doing that so much early in the year. 
Um, you know, they, you, you had asked off air whether or not it had something to do with the weather. And uh, yeah, you know, there might be some correlation to the weather there. He's had a, you know, if you look at like temperature, say this year, I set the temperature gauge around 75 degrees. That's the start of the game time temperature. Well, his ERA in those games is seven or 620, um, you know, and uh, he's 0 and 7 in those games. So maybe, maybe there's something there. Although in 2019, in those games, he had a 298 ERA. So, uh, you know, I, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe a little fluky it, maybe or something. Excuse, maybe, maybe those days it, he just didn't feel right. And maybe it had something to do with the weather. Or maybe that's, maybe the weather was in his head. I don't know. Um, I, I, I can't say for sure one way or another, but he definitely right now is pitching lower in the zone than he, than he had been. And I think that's made a big difference for him. It's one of the favorite storylines of people to talk about on Twitter, at least, is that if they're not going to talk about his actual performance, they're going to talk about the weather, which maybe just makes me wonder if they just really want to talk small talk on Twitter and that's okay. I'd love to see yeah. that for a change. Uh, but I, I wonder about it. If it is a thing to worry about, well, the weather's not great during the playoffs and especially in Cincinnati, although they're, they're probably going to be pitching in uh, LA the way it looks if they get that second wild card spot, but kind of just thinking ahead and thinking around that, like the game in Cleveland, the weather didn't look all that great and things like that. But I definitely attribute that more to, like you said, him keeping the fastball up. Is, is this something that you think that what we have seen since the beginning of July and really, you know, June 28th on, is this more of what we should have been seeing all year long? Or is it something like he was just trying to tweak? Cause I know Michael Lorenzen's biggest issue last year was he tried to hit 103 on his fastball. Was it something like Luis Castillo got over ambitious with a aspect of his game and then had to retweak back? You think? Um, perhaps I'm not sure that it was velocity. Uh, you know, we've, we've seen his velocity pick up as the season has gone on. Uh, I don't think that he was necessarily trying to over pitch. I never got that impression. Um, I, I felt like, I mean, this is just observational. This isn't statistical, but, uh, just watching him all year, I felt like he just, he, he could not put his fastball where he wanted it to be. And once he was able to, Find that release point. Um, you know, I uh, one advantage I have is working with a couple former pitchers, and both of them kind of talk about, uh, or actually three of them, because I work with Sam Lecure as well. They all kind of talk about how he get sometimes he gets on the side of the ball a little too much rather than being on top of the ball. And and, and I just realized I'm wearing a pitching ninja shirt. I am not trying to be a Perfect. pitching ninja yeah. here. I um. Well, I just saw my hand. I'm like, I'm not, you know, I'm not sitting here seriously (laughs) talking about pitching technique, but I mean, all of those guys talked about how he kind of was getting on the side of the ball, which would cause your ball to run a little more uh, rather than dip. And so he needed to get back to where he was on top of the ball so that it would dive a little more. Well, ninjas are really secret. So maybe you don't know that you're a pitching ninja. Perhaps, perhaps (laughs) I've been indoctrinated without my knowledge. (laughs) <laughs> is a secret indoctrination. Yeah, I, I have loved what he's done. I, I'm not going to lie. I thought that he was a shot at a Cy Young early on uh, before the season started. 
and I, I took him as such, but I, I think that he's not going to be in that conversation, but he definitely showed exactly what we expected for the last two months, really. And he had a nice bounce back start there in Philadelphia, which was good to see. So hopefully he continues that turnaround. I, I wanted to get your take real quick too. And this was kind of just in between the lines of what, what the season has been like for you. Like I know normally you've got, uh, different games and stuff like that. I, I can't remember. Do you get to travel with the team normally, like in the past? No. So normally, okay. Uh, okay. Normally, as of two through 2019, I just worked home games. I did not work road games. I didn't have anything to do with road game. Now, sometimes I'm I may be watching the game and I may notice something. I may text the guys because I noticed something. But um, typically, uh, I didn't have anything to do with road games. Uh, last year. I worked all 60 games, uh, actually 59 because Fox did one of the games. Um, and I, but I did them all from my home, from my, from this very room right here. Uh, and uh, the guys were either down at the ballpark or they were down at the studio. And I just communicated with them through text uh, while my video feed was on a 30 second delay. So it was a little bit of a weird situation last year, but you know what? Everybody had a little bit of a weird situation last year. So uh, this year, um, the, the announcers are not traveling. So I'm actually working road games this year down in the studio with them, uh, which is just in our building down on sixth street downtown. Um, and then, so I, I'll be there or I'll be at the ballpark with them and I'm not working. Obviously I'm not working hundred percent of the games. Uh, I'm probably going to do about, I don't know, about 120 games this year, which is a pretty large step up for me. Uh, you know, in the past, I usually only do about 70 games. And uh, so this is this is a, a pretty big step up for me in terms of uh, time commitment and amount of effort and all that. But it's been fun. I'm glad the team's been playing well, because otherwise it would be miserable. Yeah, we've gone through that. I'm, I'm, yeah. it's, what was it? People were, there were some people that were talking about the Reds, like blowing out the Cubs and things like that. And other people putting it into perspective of look at like 2016 when every other game the Cubs beat the Reds by 12 right. runs. Right. It's like, yeah, they deserve, deserve a little payback time. I well, think. you know what? They, they're still within that, uh, that, uh, afterglow window of winning a world championship. So I don't feel sorry for them one bit. You know, if I was five years removed from a championship, I'd feel okay with myself. It sucks. Yeah, it sucks to have to sell off all your favorite players. But, you know, you, you still got that championship to remember. Their last aftergrow took them about 100 years. So we're, we're still <laughs> yeah, well we, within we've the got time. period. We've got <laughs> <Yeah>. time. <laughs> well, I tell you what, coming up here in just a minute, I want to talk about Joey Votto. Before we talk about that, though, I wanted to let you know, you listening right now and you watching on YouTube and you, Joel, as well. You can download the Spotify Green Room app on your favorite iOS device or Android device. And you can join me at Jeff Carr with three Fs and you can join other locked on hosts. There's great media personalities there on as well players join in what they do is they create these chat rooms and i know well it's chat rooms is kind of antiquated it's like a conference call but you actually want to be on it talking sports and they've got major league baseball the nba the nfl is starting up and there is a room a well it was called locker room now it's the green room about the biggest news in sports games reactions to trades all of that great stuff you can find it on the spotify green room app download it today 
And when you create your profile, follow the MLB group so you can get notified when I go live. I'll be live later on this week on the Spotify Green Room app. They are changing the way that we talk sports. It really is like a conference. I've never been on a conference call I actually liked until we started this whole Spotify Green Room thing. So it's not it's not too bad at all. Sounds like fun. It's um it, and it's a great way to interact with people. I, I encourage everybody to download that app. All right. Let's talk about the man. He set history and I would have wore my Vado Still Bangs t-shirt, but I think I've worn it four or five times in the last week. And <laughs> even though there is no smell of vision right now on YouTube, probably would have permeated somebody's uh, YouTube. So I decided to wear a different t-shirt, but he was phenomenal last night, getting three hits in the game to get to 2001. Just like Joey, he's not going to settle right on the number. He's going to go past it. But what does this mean? Uh, first, let me ask you this, because it, it's been asked a lot, I think. Obviously, he's a Hall of Famer. Is he the best first baseman in Reds history? I don't think there's any doubt about that. Um, you know, if you look at the guys that would be in the argument with him, uh, Ted Klozuski's in that argument, but he had such a short such a short period of success before he hurt his back. Um, I, I mean, I, I would put Ted Kluzewski's top three seasons ahead of anybody probably, uh, or, or at least in the conversation with anybody. I, I'll be honest. I haven't broken it down. I, I hate to say stuff like that. And then somebody come at me on Twitter and be like, Oh, you're so full of it. And I'm like, okay, well, I didn't really think that much about it. Um, Tony Perez uh, is also obviously in the conversation, but he was also sort of a third baseman for a while. Um, and, uh, um, you know, I, I, I hate to disparage Tony because he was a great player. He was a great, great player. Um, sure. Joey Votto just did more at the plate. And, uh, if Joe, if you put Joey Votto on the big red machine and put him in the situations where Tony Perez was in, he's going to drive in 120 runs every year too, or whatever. Tony yeah. drove in. So, uh, I, I mean, it's just, um, so, when your only when your only argument for Perez over Votto is that is the RBI, I you know yeah, that just doesn't work for me. So, yeah, I, I think it's. I mean, it, Joey's in the conversation for the top for the the best player ever in Reds history. Um, you know, I don't I don't think he is. I think Joe Morgan probably takes that title. I think Joey was right when he when he said that Joe takes that title. Um, maybe maybe Joey's the best hitter in Reds history. I think that's, you know, it's either Joey or Frank. Um, I can see uh, that because he wasn't the five-tool guy that Joe Morgan was. So I right. I would agree with that. Right. And, and you know, the, I mean, Joe Morgan, Joe Morgan's run on the Reds is among the best, you know, five-year runs in the history of baseball. Um, and Joey just never had anything like that. Um, and Frank really, you know, he had some, he had some good runs, but I, he didn't have anything like what Joe did. So I think it's pretty easy for me to say that Joe Morgan was probably the best player ever, um, in Reds history. And then, uh, the best hitter is, is down to Joey and Frank. And it's really going to come down to, I, with this season, I might put Joey ahead for sure. You know, I might for sure, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm imagine my bets so bad, but um, uh, no, it's, it's I, like I, picking your favorite child, you know? Yeah, no. And that's the thing. It's, you can't go wrong really. But I, I was thinking about this the other day because whenever he first 
kind of announced that he was like, yeah, I'm going to change it up. I'm going to be more dangerous. I'm going to add more power to my game. I kind of thought I'm like, all right, that's cool. He's going to bat like 240. He's going to have like 20, 22 home runs, something like that. Maybe approaching 85 RBIs. That's great because what we've seen out of him these last couple of years had just been such a sharp change from Mm -hmm. what he had been even in 2019 to uh, get to where he was then. I, I, I thought that, all right, this is cool. He has gone so far and above that. I, I said in the preseason that I thought a bold prediction for this year would be that Joey Votto would have an OPS plus of 130 or greater. And now he's making that look as if I wasn't even going out on a limb. Like <laughs> he's he's over 140, I think, right now. So I, I well, love the fact. Is a, 138 right now. 138. <laughs> so it's, it's a fragile tapestry that he's just hanging on there. But. <laughs> I love it. I, I I also had a bold prediction that Eugenio Suarez would be the best third baseman in uh, the National League, but we won't go there. Uh, we, I, I love the what he has done and the 2001 hits that he now has coming into tonight's game. It's, it's a testament to him that he's starting to hit these milestones because any doubters about his Hall of Fame candidacy coming into the year were like, well, he's got to do so-and-so. He's got to get this number. He's got to get that number. I think he's getting all of them. Uh, there's no way you can deny that he's going into the Hall of Fame, and I'm with you. I think that there is a very viable argument for best red ever. I know there's lots of people that are going to insert many a name from the big red machine, and I understand that. They got the chance to watch those guys, and I didn't. But I think that Joey Votto, and, and he has been, uh, may, and, and maybe you have a different thought on this, but I, I almost felt like he's been done such a disservice during his career because he's been so fantastic and he's gotten so very little help. Yeah. I think that's one of the things you're seeing from him this year is that he's enjoying being good on a good team. Yes. You know, it's been a long time since he's, he's been good, but it's been a long time since he's been good on a good team. And I, I think that probably, especially at this stage in his career, has so much more meaning to him. Um, you know, he probably didn't appreciate it back in 12 and then 13 when uh, the team had been good for a few years and he just expected to be good, you know. So going through that period of, you know, 16, 17, 15, 16, and 17, where he was outstanding and the team just was terrible. Um, like, th- there's only so much. You know, he, he never disparaged. He never, you know, got angry about or showed anger about it, I should say. Who knows if he was angry about it. Um, he, but he kept performing. And, uh, you know, that's that's pretty special. And then, you know, I, I was kind of with you on in 18 and 19. I was like, oh, well, that was fun. It's done. You know, he's not he's not that player anymore. Um, and, in fact, was, was convinced that he should just turn himself into a uh, – you know, a, a Pete Rose singles and doubles guy and right. uh, and just, you know, play out the rest of his career that way. Um, so, you know, I when when he said that he was changing his swing and trying to hit, I was with you. I, I didn't think that meant 40 home runs. I thought that meant, or 40, 40 caliber home run, I should say. I thought that meant, you know, maybe, you know, maybe 20, 25. I know somebody who got, who, who got an over-under this year of 17 home runs for Votto. Um, so he killed it you know, already. <laughs> I know. I know. Well, it, it, he took the over obviously, but um, yeah, it's just, you know, I don't, 
I did not see this coming. I did not think he could do this again. Um, and I know there are some people who are like, well, why didn't he change like this sooner? And it's, well, I think he, you know, we always give him so much credit for being so smart, for knowing and, and, and recognizing how to change. I think maybe it took him a while to figure that out. I think in 2018 and 2019, he was just wrong about how he was trying to approach the game because he thought his skill level was a certain way. And I think it took him time to figure out, oh, no, I can perform this way. And it's very different than what he used to do. He's never stood up like this. He Now, he squatted down a lot more in 18 and 19 than yeah. he ever did. And, um, but, you know, I think it just took him some time to kind of realize and recognize uh, hey, this this way works. This way feels good. This way, I can do it this way. I think it was it was almost an obsession. I think earlier I said 2019. I mean 2017. I think it was almost an obsession with the ability that he had in 2017, where he could combine his talents with the fact that he just didn't get out. Like mm-hmm. nobody was striking him out. He was walking a ton. He didn't hit any pop flies. I I always loved the infield fly statistic on Joey Votto because he just never hit them and Mm -hmm. I think that he got fixated on that but he lost his power and pitchers saw that and so they stopped challenging him and they forced him to swing basically and I I I love what I've seen from him this year and I hope that it continues forever because it's it's moments like last night that in my mind I thought about it and I'm just like man I don't I don't want to think about this right now but the prevailing thought is what am I going to be like whenever he is like hanging it up, whenever it's like his last week or something like that, I'm going to be a wreck, man. I'm not, I'm not even going to be able to do video podcasts. I'm just going to be, I'll tell you one thing. That's good. Jonathan India, Tyler Stevenson, Jose Barrero, uh, Hunter green, Nick Lodolo, Vladimir Gutierrez, all these guys, they're coming in at the, now not all of these guys are going to, are going to stick. You know, right. some guys are going to be good and then they'll fight off and some guys will take time, whatever. But all these, this young talent, and there's a lot of more young, t- it seems to be that there's a lot more young talent in the minors. Those guys are going to be the salve for when Joey retires. Um, and, and, and here, and here's the other thing that we have to, we have to allow to seep into our mind a little bit. It's also possible that Joey goes to another team in 2024. Yep. It's always possible. So you have to let yourself accept that. Um, but when it ends, when, when Joey Votto and the Cincinnati Reds ends, however it ends, uh, I, I, I feel optimistic, a lot more optimistic than I did two years ago about where the team will be in terms of personnel. You'll have a new favorite player by then. I'm with you there. And, and we're actually going to talk about one of those dudes here coming up in just a minute. It's, but it's been a great year of Joey Votto, and I've I've been so happy. Before we talk about that, though, before because we're going to get into Nixon Zell, which that's not the guy. We're also going to talk about Jonathan India. That's the guy we're thinking of. I want to tell you about Built Bar. Built Bar has the best tasting protein bar on the market, and I just got a couple of these awesome. They're called Grasshopper Cookie Bars. Now they don't actually have grasshoppers in them. I looked. I tried. I tried. Made sure. I mean, you know, it still tasted good whenever I first bit into it. So I'm like, I'm mean, maybe grasshoppers taste good. I don't know, but this is actually mint chocolate cookie protein bar. It sounds weird, but it works. It's fantastic. It's made 
like all built bars are with 100% real chocolate. And it's got amazing statistics. We're talking about 18 grams of protein, 130 calories and less than four grams of sugar. Just fantastic. And, and it's not like some other protein bars that have this weird mouthfeel. It's like cardboard and, and terrible taste. No, no, no. Built Bar, all of the flavors are fantastic. It still doesn't beat my favorite. My favorite's Cherry Barcia. But Grasshopper Cookie has been a revelation, a, a brand new thing that you can check out today at BuiltBar.com. And you can use the promo code LOCKED15 to save 15% off your next order. And that's BuiltBar.com, the best tasting protein bar on the market for my money. I, I, I firmly believe it. And you can test it for 15% off at BuiltBar.com and the promo code LOCKED15. Also, and I'm going to eat some crow on this because I've been trying to give you guys tips at BetOnline.ag here lately. And my tips haven't really been paying off. I told you to go over whatever the total that you saw for Kyle Hendricks and Vladimir Gutierrez. Well, that's not happening. So, sorry. But you can make some money right now with the promo code locked on at betonline.ag. If you go and you set up your profile today with that promo code, you'll get 50% added onto your initial deposit, and you can get off the bench and get in the game and start making some cash off your sports knowledge at the only online sports book that I trust. That's betonline.ag. And you've got the promo code locked on to get 50% added. I'll give you tips from time to time. I'm kind of going back and trying to ruminate and figure out my system here. Uh, we'll get you a tip tomorrow. None today. But you can check out great lines on Major League Baseball. You've got NFL futures to check out and more at betonline.ag. Set up your profile with the promo code locked on and get 50% added onto your initial deposit. And Joel, I appreciate you sitting through all that good stuff. I do. <laughs> doing the doing the house cleaning and all that but firstly so we got two guys i want to talk about very quickly i appreciate you hanging on for so long getting to talk some reds with me firstly i want to start with this it's a guy who recently we've heard lots and lots about whether it be from nick crawl from david bell or even from pat kelly as well with nixon zell I feel like we almost have to change our expectations of the future because I thought this dude was going to be a cornerstone for this team for years to come. And I think that the injuries have really put a damper on those plans. And now he almost seems like a man without a uh, a man without a team. Not really. I mean, he's still red. It's not as if they got rid of him. But he seems like he's on the outside looking in. Am I overstating that, over-dramatizing that? Um, I'll be honest. I don't know what to think about the situation. Um, I, I, he hasn't, he, he, he hasn't performed great in the big leagues. Um, you know, not, not at least to the expectations that we had hoped. Um, that being said, I, you know, there are, there are some underlying indicators that, you know, maybe, maybe he's been unlucky, at some point you have to produce and, you know, he's, he's only had basically a season's worth of games in the big leagues. And I'm, I'm hemming and hawing here because I don't, I don't know. Like I want him to be good. I, I just suspect that there's, there is a reason why they're holding him down. Maybe they don't like what they see in the minors. Maybe they don't, you know, maybe they don't want to throw him under the bus 
for one thing or another. I don't know. Um, right. But uh, it's, it's been a quick response from a lot of people. Well, they say he's not 100%. And I get that, but I also don't get that. Like, I feel like if he were even close to 100%, because we saw Nick Castellanos get called into duty when his wrist still was not 100%. We saw Moose with like half a foot get roped into pinch hit duty at least once. So they, they've ran some guys out there that weren't 100%. So I feel like with Senzel is there, there's just something else. And, and I think that part of it has been, at least when you look at his OPS, Aristides Aquino has been a pretty decent hitter this year. Folks who like to fixate on batting average will disagree, but OPS wise, he's been phenomenal. And then Tyler Naquin, while he's been really cool as of lately, he has shown that he's streaky. And when he's in that streak, it's very Jay Brucian. He does a lot of damage with the bat. So it's almost as if the Reds have said, we're okay with this platoon over what we've seen from Nixon Zell already. Well, I mean, my first thought when I saw them, when I saw that he had been optioned was, um, they don't want him to come up here at 75% or 80% or 85%, whatever, and and struggle. Um, that they would rather more than, you know, a player like Castellanos or, or even Moustakis who are established players who have played through injuries before, who, you know, all that, um, and who have had big league success, you know, my first, my first thought was that they were afraid of bringing him up because they don't want him to come up and fail. Sure. I don't know if that's completely true, but that was my first, like my first rationalization of it and trying to understand what was going on. Um, and then the whole, you know, we don't want to have to DFA somebody off the roster to get him up here. And then the whole, you know, two days, three days later, DFA and somebody off of the roster to bring up a different reliever is like, okay, well, now I'm not sure. I don't know what's going on. I really don't know what's going on. <laughs> so it's, a, it's, it's one of those things where, all right. Uh, and I just, I just blanked on the quote. It's the old Sherlock Holmes quote. Um, if you eliminate the impossible, whatever remain, or if you eliminate the improbable, whatever remains, however impossible must be the truth. And mm. I think that that's kind of where we are right now. And he's, he's almost like he's fighting for a spot. And I, yeah. I think that he's going to get that chance. I definitely don't think they're leaving him down for the rest of the season, but how much is, is it going to be a Shogo sample size to show that he can stick with this team for the future? Or is it going to be enough of a chance where he's going to get the showcase? That's, that's the big yeah, question. I, I really don't know. I don't know what they, what their future plans are for him. I don't like, I have no grasp for what they, what they even think of Nick Senzel. It's crazy. It is going to be interesting to see, but I want to end today on a very positive note because we're talking about the dude who absolutely should. And in my uh, post-game video a couple of days ago, I said that he should be the NL Cy Young Award. And yeah, I might have missed up a little bit. Now, I don't really want to um, limit him. He can be exactly what he wants. You know, if he sets his mind to it, he could be it. But he's definitely rookie of the year. He's not a Cy Young candidate. Mm -hmm. Uh, (laughs) Looking at his body of work, 
how impressed have you been with him? Because it just seems like every time we turn around, he's moving the bar even further higher on the chart of awesomeness. I assume you're talking about Jonathan India. Um, yes. <laughs> <laughs> didn't um, even say his name. Yes, didn't even say Jonathan his name. India. <laughs> I, I wonder if there was anybody in the Reds that had any inkling that he was capable of what he's done this year. I mean, and this year. I mean, this year. I'm sure there were there were scouts that were like, "Yes, he could become this player eventually." Um, like, it's just so impressive what he has done. And in and played the role that he that the Reds needed him to play exactly, you know he played second base despite not being an a experienced second baseman. He played it. He's played it fairly well. I'm not gonna say that he's a Gold Glover or anything, but he's been very solid there. Yeah. Um, he, uh, you know, when when they batted him low in the order, he's always seemed to come through in an RBI situation. Had a little bit of a slump, which rookies tend to do. Made his adjustments, then they popped him up to the top of the lineup, and and like he's the, like, what else could you want from a leadoff hitter? He's on the on base a lot, and yeah. what else do you need? You know, um, and now he's starting to see a little power. It, it uh, I don't know if you saw the video when the Reds played the Brewers, and I think it was the YouTube game, and they had. They had India and uh, Willie Adamas mic'd up. And then they, uh, MLB published the video of like some cut ups of them talking and stuff like that. And there was one conversation they had with each other. And, you know, this was before the All Star break. And uh, Adamas was like, hey, man, you're hitting or whatever. And, and India was like, yeah, but I don't have any power. It's all, in, you know, I'm locked in my back leg or something. I forget what he said. Um, and then, you know, and Adamas was like, well, yeah, but you're still hitting. And he's like, yeah, I guess that's what I got to do. You know, and now I guess he's figured out how to hit for power too. So, um, yeah, he's he's just done. He's been great. He's been great, and I never would have expected this from him. Um, you know, I thought you know my expectations were probably more you know two fifty three thirty you know four hundred um, yeah and his slash line. So I'll definitely take what he's given us so far. For, I, I mean. I totally agree. Like I was trying to think the other day because obviously early on it was evident. He did not like the name, the red sparrow. So we weren't going to continue to call him that, mm -hmm. but another nickname that he may not like, but I think suits him is he's like the taskmaster of the reds. Like they tell him what he needs to do and he just goes out and he does it. Like there's no, there's no, um, lag time at all. Yeah with him because even he's even gone through an adjustment period. There's a lot of rookies that don't do that. They, they just kind of see fat pitches most of the year and kind of get lucky off that sort of thing. Or like Patrick wisdom, they do go through an adjustment period and they just have trouble getting back out of that. He has already come through on the other side and he's through right. Merkwood and he's coming up to Lake town you know, something like that. I don't know. I don't know why I just thought of the Hobbit, but um, he, he has been fantastic to watch. And the fact that he has gotten on base at a very Shinsu Chewian rate this season from the, uh, from the leadoff spot has been phenomenal. Now the slugging, like we mentioned, it's coming along, but it's not necessarily Shinsu Chewian, but I love 
how much production he's brought from a dude who I honestly was in the camp of, all right, well, who can the Reds get for Jonathan India? How, how can they trade him for this pitcher? Or how can they trade him for this guy or something like that? And now I'm like, boy, oh boy, I'm glad they didn't do any of that. Right. Well, and um, the other thing about him is that he's, he seems to be so tough. Like how many times does he seem to get hurt in a game and he never comes out, you know? Um, the other night when he slid in and like kind of jerked his shoulder a bit. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just like, well, hold on. Give me a second. Uh, Okay. Now I'm all right. All right. We're good. (laughs) Yeah. It's great. He's been, he's been an incredible surprise this year and it's been a lot of fun. It's been so much fun to watch him and I will continue to watch him with so much joy in my heart. Joel, it has been it has brought me so much joy. Real quick, too, before we close out, I, I didn't really get a chance to touch on this the other day. I had a lot that I had put on the podcast already, but I want to finish up today by talking about what are your thoughts on the Field of Dreams game? Because I think it's really cool what they did this year. I didn't know if it was going to be a one-off or what, but now that we know it's going to be a yearly thing and that the Reds are going to be involved in the second installment of it, what are your thoughts on it? Because I'm kind of excited. Um, I, I only watched part of the first game. Um, I saw the end of it. The ending was incredible. Uh, it, it was, um, it was a fun environment. Uh, I think it's, if MLB can use stuff like that to appeal to a wider audience, then by all means, I'm okay with it. I don't think there's any harm in doing that. Um, I'm interested to see how it, how it works as a year to year thing. Like I'm interested to see, does it hold some of that excitement for another game? And, and you know, maybe it will, maybe it won't. I don't know. Probably do really good business for the, for the town of Dyersville though. I bet so. I was seeing some of those ticket prices. I'm like, eh, probably can't afford that. I think I just yeah. rather well, that's... diamond seats at that point. But <laughs> I've seen a lot of Reds fans being like, I'm totally there. It's like, did you see the ticket prices? Like, I don't yeah, think cheap, I'll be there. Cheapest were like four digits on the left side of the uh, the decimal point. That's that's a no for me. Uh, right. I'll, I'll watch it on TV and be just maybe I'll go camp out. Maybe I'll go camp out in the corner or something like that. <laughs> yeah. Catch a stock off or something. Joel, man, I, I thank you so much. You've given me so much time, and I appreciate that tonight, sir. Uh, Thanks for having here. me on. Yeah, absolutely, man. Uh, where can everybody find I'm sure everybody already follows you on Twitter, but just in case there might be a couple who don't, how can they follow you? Uh, my Twitter handle is at J-L-U-C-K-H-A-U-P-T. I'm sorry it's not easier to spell, but that's the name I was given. Yeah, I got lucky that I got eight letters in my name and it's all pretty easy. <laughs> and you threw an extra F in there for no reason. <laughs> Just to mess around it. Give you a little insider secret. Don't tell you anybody. It's my middle initial. Oh, okay. Well, you just told everybody. Oh, uh, oh, that's right. Okay. And I guess that means we need to end. Thank you guys so much for watching and listening for Joel and myself. Make sure you check out the lockdown reds podcast tomorrow. As we recap this Cubs series. Thanks so much, Joel. And I'll talk to you again soon. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.